Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. When I was in college, for one year, my mother moved away from the state I grew up in, New Jersey. It was also where I was going to college. This was fine by me, a great adventure for her. But during the holiday season, I didn't have anywhere to go home to at that point, so I just stayed at school. Now, I don't know if you've ever stayed at a college during the holiday season, but there is not a lot going on. In fact, there was absolutely nothing going on. And what made things worse was that we didn't have cable television. Now, that normally wasn't a problem. We had a video store on campus, and I would empty the place out. It was closed. So I would try to play video games as much as I could, but then I would get bored and want to watch TV. Now, this was 10 days of pretty much me by myself, and I watched the tapes I had as often as I could, but then I started to try to get television reception, and I could only get one station. That one station was mostly junk all throughout the day, but in the morning, they played a block of retro television, and it became one of my huge treats during those 10 days. I would get up extra early every morning just to make sure I wouldn't miss any of it, because it started at 7 and would go till 10, so that was my TV watching time for the day. One of the shows that they ran was an hour of The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. That is a show I had seen a couple of times when I was younger, but it never got a full run in my neck of the woods, and this might have been because it was so novel to me, but during that winter break, I fell in love with the show, especially Bob Denver's performance of Maynard Krebs, who I started referencing like crazy to everyone once they came back from their winter breaks, and of course not one person knew what I was talking about. That made me even like it a little bit more because I felt like I was in a secret club. Of course, there was no secret to the many loves of Adobe Gillis because so many have seen it. But in my opinion, not enough, which is why I've decided to talk about it on today's show. We're going to talk about the stars behind the show, the plot of the show, where the show came from, what happened after the show, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Many Loves of Dobie Gillis was a sitcom that aired on the CBS network. It was adapted from a 1951 collection of short stories of the same name by Max Shulman. 
Shulman was born in 1919 and passed away in 1988. He was a writer and humorist, probably best known for his work on Dobie Gillis. Shulman, in addition to writing the short stories, also was a scriptwriter on the series and would help to work on the theme song. He also wrote a Dobie Gillis novel the same year the show premiered called I Was a Teenage Dwarf. There were a couple of differences between the TV show and the series. In the short stories, Dobie's father had a different job from short story to short story, but in the series, he was a grocer throughout the run. Probably would have been really interesting if from episode to episode he changed jobs, but probably for the story, it made a lot more sense for him to just have a career. Before it became a television series, Dobie Gillis was a film called The Affairs of Dobie Gillis. It came out in 1953. That movie starred Debbie Reynolds as Pansy Hammer, Bobby Van as Dobie Gillis, and Bob Fosse as Charlie Trask. It took me a long time to see this, and I just saw it pretty recently. I wouldn't call it a great film, but it has a lot of great music, and it's a fun movie to watch. The TV series revolved around a teenager named Dobie Gillis, who was played by Dwayne Hickman, and he wanted, I guess, what would we call the American Teenage Dream to be popular and to get the girl. Unfortunately, he didn't have what it took to get those particular things. And episode after episode, we would see him try and try, and sometimes fail. All the while, he had his good friend, Maynard G. Krebs, played by Bob Denver, at his side. Dobie's father, Herbert Gillis, was played by Frank Phelan. He owned a grocery store and wanted Dobie to work hard in the family business. But he had some fun personality quirks that would often bring him and Dobie together, get-rich schemes, things like that. Dobie's mother, Winnie Gillis, was played by Florida Freebus. Dobie had two enemies, and they were rich kids. Milton Armitage, played by Warren Beatty, the Warren Beatty. And after Beatty left, Milton's cousin, Chatsworth Osborne Jr., I wish that I could work for a sitcom that let me come up with rich person names because that must be one of the most enjoyable jobs. Chatsworth Osborne Jr. was played by Steve Franken. In the first season, Dobie was after Thalia Menninger, played by Tuesday Weld. Unfortunately, Weld left after the first season, and she was replaced by a series of women who had similar qualities. Sheila James Cool played Zelda Gilroy, who was in love with Dobie, although Dobie did not reciprocate this. The show would change from high school to college with a brief detour into the U.S. Army during the second season. When Dobie did move from high school to junior college, a lot of the same people came along, including William Shallard, who played Leander Pomfret, the English teacher. Today's show is brought to you by a local grocery store. Mr. Gillis ran a grocery store, so why not go to the grocery store? You get a finer selection of groceries. Where shopping is no chore, you save much more. Love that grocery store. The show had a very talented cast. Headlining that cast was Dwayne Hickman as Dobie Gillis. Hickman was born in 1934, probably best known as Dobie Gillis, but he was also on the Bob Cummings show in the 1950s before Dobie Gillis. Sheila James Cool played Zelda Gilroy. She was on Trouble with Father before she would land on Dobie Gillis. Later in life, she would get into politics 
and was serving in the California State Senate until 2008. Bob Denver played Maynard G. Krebs. Robert Osborne Denver passed away in 2005, probably best known as either Maynard G. Krebs or Gilligan on Gilligan's Island. I think Maynard is probably one of the more interesting characters, definitely the sort of standout character in the show, because he was a beatnik, and we were seeing beatnik culture focused through him, and as a person who was not familiar with beatnik culture, I'm sure this is nothing like whatever real beatnik culture was, but it at least showed me sort of some of the cartoonier aspects of being a beatnik, things like using slang and having his little goatee. Fun little fact about Maynard. The middle initial stands for Walter, and I think he was named after his aunt. I guess that's some sort of silly, funny humor. His explanation for this was that his mother didn't spell very good. Frank Phelan played Herbert T. Gillis, probably best known on TV for his work on Dobie Gillis, but he was also in The Lost Weekend and played Ernie Bishop in Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Florida Freebus played Winifred Winnie Gillis, very successful actress, who was probably best known for playing Winnie Gillis. She would also appear as Mrs. Lillian Bakerman on CBS's The Bob Newhart Show many years later. Tuesday Weld played Thalia Menninger. She was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in Looking for Mr. Goodbar in 1978 and an Emmy in 1983 for The Winter of Our Discontent. So did pretty well after leaving the show fairly early. Another person who left the show early who did probably even better was Warren Beatty, who played Milton Armitage. Beatty is an American actor, producer, screenwriter, director, nominated for 15 Academy Awards and won Best Director and the Irving G. Thalberg Award. Very talented guy who continues to work. Who replaced him was Steve Franken as Chatsworth Osborne. He is the cousin of SNL alum and U.S. Senator Al Franken. After Dobie Gillis was canceled, Franken was cast in The Lieutenant, which was the first television series created by Gene Roddenberry of Star Trek fame. He would also be in the TV series The Rat Patrol and Bewitched. Doris Parker played Mrs. Armitage, probably best known for her work on this show and on Leave it to Beaver. William Shallert played Professor Leander Palmfrit, great character actor, appeared on The Smurfs, Star Trek, The Patty Duke Show, Deep Space Nine. Guy worked a lot. Joyce Van Patten, who was actually of the very famous Van Patten line, played Mrs. Palmfrit. Like most Van Pattens, she has worked a lot, appearing on a ton of TV shows, including Hawaii Five-0, The Untouchables, The Twilight Zone, The Jack Benny Program, the list goes on and on and on. This show had a very large cast with a lot of talented people. Jean Byron played Dr. Imogene Burkhart and Ruth Adams. Bobby Diamond played Donkey Gillis. Daryl Hickman played Davy Gillis. Michael Pollard played Jerome Krebs, and that was briefly because Bob Denver was being called up to do military service, and they thought they were going to have to replace him. So Pollard was brought in as Jerome, then they found out that Bob Denver was 4F, so he was brought back, and Pollard's contract was bought out. We'll return after these messages. Next week, Dobie Gillis will be brought to you by Pillsbury. 
the famous cake mix people. And now, back to our show. Now with a little bit more about one of these very talented people is Vic Sage with another great Why Should I Know This Person? Hi friends, Vic Sage here with another installment of Why Should I Know This Person? And this time we are shining the spotlight on Frank Phelan. Born Frank Ruff on December 8, 1905 in St. Louis, Missouri, Frank began his acting career as an infant when he would appear with his vaudeville parents on stage. Traveling with his parents, he grew up in the theater as part of the Ruff and Cusick vaudeville team. Frank attended St. Joseph's Preparatory College in Kirkwood, Missouri, but returned to vaudeville as a comic pantomimist. Beside his comedic talent, he became known for his acrobatic agility, and during a tour in Los Angeles in the early 1930s, was screen-tested and started his 30-year career as one of Hollywood's most familiar character actors. Frank's first film role was as an uncredited police radio dispatcher in 1936's Road Gang. He continued working strong through 1936, and finally in 1937 he received his first listed credit as Barney in Kid Galahad, where he appeared alongside the likes of Edward G. Robinson, Betty Davis, and Humphrey Bogart. Frank never slowed down, it seems, as each year lists a dozen-plus films on the Internet Movie Database. Some of the most notable films, however, include 1945's The Lost Weekend, 1946 It's a Wonderful Life, and 1968's Funny Girl. Though his feature film credits may have been short, he more than made up for them with his appearance in over 200 TV shows. Besides The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, he could be found in Maverick, Wanted, Dead or Alive, My Mother the Car, The Beverly Hillbillies, and That Girl. His final roles were in the 1977 TV special Whatever Happened to Dobie Gillis and a 1978 episode of Quincy M.E. This has been Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person? Signing off until next time. Thanks, Vic. Does this sound familiar? That is the theme song to Dobie Gillis called Dobie, which was written by Lionel Newman with lyrics by Max Schulman, and it was sung by Judd Conlon's Rhythm Airs. Newman was a conductor, pianist, and composer, and famous person connection. He is the uncle of Randy Newman. Dobie Gillis ran from September 29, 1959 to June 26, 1962, on Tuesdays at 8.30 p.m. on CBS. Then from September of 62 to June of 63, it was moved to Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. on CBS. During the first year, it wasn't in the top 30. And then in the second season, it moved to 23rd place. And in 61, 
it moved to 21st place, you think it's gaining momentum, then 62 during the last season, wasn't even in the top 30 for TV shows. Not a huge hit, but enough of a hit that it would spawn two sequels, the pilot slash movie Whatever Happened to Dobie Gillis, which came out in 1978, and the TV movie Bring Me the Head of Dobie Gillis from 1988. In these, Dobie and Zelda have married and have a son named Georgie. Whatever happened to Dobie, not as good as Bring Me the Head of Dobie Gillis, but only because the 1978 really didn't capture the feeling of the original show. And I think in both of them, they sort of wasted Maynard G. Krebs, who was very important to the series. When season one of Dobie Gillis came out, there was a lot of buzz and Capitol Records attempted to capitalize on that buzz by turning Dwayne Hickman into a recording star. This despite the fact that Dwayne Hickman couldn't sing in Hickman's own biography, talks about how difficult it was for the recording engineers to piece together usable tracks for each song in the album that he would release. In 1960, the show would spawn a comic book that would run for 26 issues from DC Comics, and it featured work by Bob Oxner. Not sure if the Dobie Gillis universe is part of the mainstream DC universe. I've yet to see a Batman Maynard Krebs crossover, but I can keep crossing my fingers. In a past episode, I mentioned the show's influence on another popular show, namely Scooby-Doo. The writer on Scooby-Doo noted that the characters in Scooby-Doo are based on the characters in Dobie Gillis. Fred was based on Dobie, Shaggy on Maynard, Velma on Zelda, and Daphne on Thalia. If you watch the first season of Dobie Gillis and then watch Scooby-Doo, you can definitely see the similarities. After these messages, we'll be right back. Here's Walt Disney's magazine Arriving at your favorite store With all the gang from Disneyland You've seen them on the screen before Spin and Marty, Scrooge McDuck Even Pluto will be seen You'll see Fess Parker and Pretty Gals Johnny Tremaine And Pretty Gals There'll even be a space machine In Walt Disney's magazine And two guys with lots of pluck Goofy and Donald Duck Yes, folks, here's the latest issue of Walt Disney's magazine. Be sure to read it. Tall tales and true. Remember, you can still subscribe to Walt Disney's magazine, or you can buy it now at your favorite store. Don't forget to read Walt Disney's magazine. And now, back to the show. If you have always wanted to see Dobie Gillis, but have never been able to catch it on television, you are in luck because July 2nd, 2013, Shout Factory released the entire series on DVD. This is the first time it has been released, and it is a real gem. I am making my way through it, watching it from beginning to end, and I have no complaints. It is a great show filled with wonderful actors and actresses. If you are clamoring for a new show, and who isn't nowadays, why not pick it up? It is four seasons of well-written classic television that is fun for the entire family. I can tell you this, if you are stuck alone in the middle of nowhere and you need a TV show to watch and all you have is a DVD player, you could do a lot worse than The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. And you know what? In that situation, it might become your most valuable asset. 
unequal heating of the earth causes winds to circulate. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person. You can find Vic Sage on the Retroist every day. If you have feedback for Vic, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Press yourselves up there, press yourselves both low and high. And I'm watching going, Warren Beatty is on Dobie Gillis, and I had no one to tell. It is very frustrating noticing something for the first time and then not being able to tell anybody. I love the internet just for that reason alone. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.